Welcome to the InsureTech Australia podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Dobson. Today, I speak with Gil Sneer, founder and CEO of Audit Cover. We talk all things tax audit insurance, trusted advisors, brilliant jerks, and cultural alignment. Enjoy. All right. Uh, well, good morning, Gil. It's lovely to have you here as a guest on InsureTech Australia's podcast. Uh, we've got some exciting conversation to have here. And let me jump into a bit of background about Audit Cover for our listeners. Uh, so, for those who are new to Audit Cover, Audit Cover is Australia's digital first tax audit solution. And it seems the team is obsessed with improving customer experience when it comes to tax audit insurance. Audit Cover is a regulated insurance brokerage also. So Gil, would you tell us about the key drivers that led to you, led you to found Audit Cover? Hi Vanessa, great to be here. Uh, so really Audit Cover happened uh, fairly by chance. Uh, my business partner Simon was chatting with his accountant um, one day and as it turns out, she was complaining to him about this experience that she's been having with tax audit insurance. Um, it's a fairly niche, specialised line of insurance. So Simon inquired further and what he uncovered was that um, this particular accountant um, was uh, doing a lot of admin work to offer tax audit insurance to their clients. Uh, not uh, just once at the beginning when they uh, offered the um, line of insurance, but every single year. And um, as he digged further, he understood that there's a lot of um, manual processes and paperwork involved, and it was just generally taking them a, a really long time. So uh, Simon and I started chatting. I have a background that... Um, prior to audit cover was not in insurance at all. Um, my background was um, co-founding a digital media and advertising company um, for the last 10 or 11 years. And um, through that, I had a lot of experience around developing processes to digitize um, what were um, quite traditional and, and slow ways of doing things. So. Um, we started talking about that area and um, quickly understood that there were a few ways that we could speed up the delivery of tax audit insurance um, and enable it to be uh, delivered uh, to Australia's taxpayers, being businesses and individuals, through their trusted advisor, the accountant. In a, in a much faster and more efficient way. So, um, yeah, that's really what kind of set it off. A disgruntled customer complaining about um, that poor experience they were having. Wow. And I really liked what you said about the offering being made available through the trusted advisor, uh, which seems so key in many of the InsureTech uh, offerings. Mm. Yeah, I mean, accountants are really in such a unique position in financial services. Um, we deal uh, very closely with accounting firms, which are that kind of core most trusted advisor for small businesses um, in Australia. And uh, 
they're really more than just a um, financial advisor or partner or accountant. Um, they are that kind of ear and shoulder to lean on for the Australian business community. Uh, and that's never been emphasised more so than the last few years during COVID when businesses really needed um, a, a guide, a financial guide for what was going on at, a, at an unprecedented time. So, so we worked very quickly with accountants to uh, enable them to um, offer or um, provide the opportunity for their clients to take our tax audit insurance. Yeah, I really like that descriptor of them being the the ear or the shoulder for Aussie businesses, and, and you're quite right. It has been an unprecedented time. Uh, look, you may you've kind of alluded to this already, but uh, I would like your thoughts on this statement that disruption starts with unhappy customers, not technology. Uh, what are your views there? Oh, uh, look, technology has to ultimately just be solving a problem. It's a tool to solve that problem and, you know, ask any product-led team that those problems need to be uh, uncovered directly from the customers that are feeling that with their fingers. Customers typically will not know the solution uh, and that's not their job. Ultimately, their job is to complain about what they don't like or to, at times, even sing praise about the things that they do like. It's not to tell you what to create. So that's the role of the team, um, the product lead, the founders. So I I, I 100% agree with the phrase that disruption starts with unhappy customers uh, and not technology. But I would probably add that the critical ingredient in between the two is a motivated founding team. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because ultimately you can have unhappy customers and no solution or an idea of what a solution should be, but unless you've got a highly motivated team ready to make that change happen, um, nothing will happen. Yes. Yeah, we see that all around us, right? Uh, I'm quite good at pointing out uh, problems or complaining about the the, the issue. Uh, but yes, having others around who would say, and how we could address that problem might be like this, let's execute. Okay, interesting. Thank you for your thoughts on that. And in terms of customers, uh, you know, who are Audit Covers customers? And in what ways do they drive what your audit cover team does every day? Yeah, so at the core of it, our customers are the taxpayers of Australia, both individuals and businesses, predominantly small to medium businesses. Um, Ultimately, they're the ones that are being protected and insured against the risk and exposure of paying unexpected professional fees if ever reviewed or audited by the ATO or other state or federal authority. Um, and they're the ones that we serve every day. We have as well a customer segment, which is very important to us, which is the trusted advisors of those taxpayers. So they can be accountants or financial advisors or 
um, really anybody that is um, uh, a, a trusted um, financial support when it comes to compliance and tax. Um, and, and yeah, really, I guess who we're serving, if you look at the um, Australian market, there's around 18 million taxpayers or tax returns lodged every year. Um, and of those, around 400,000 will undergo some form of a review uh, leading potentially to an investigation or an audit um, every year. So, so we're really protecting um, the wider taxpaying community, um, but in particular those that are exposed to that risk every year. Wow, and that's quite a, you know, I'm no expert here, but 400,000 per annum being reviewed, which may then lead to an audit. So that's, you know, a chunk of chunk of people. Uh, and I'm sure for many it, it would be a bit of a stressful situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just in July last month, there were 4.5 million tax returns lodged. And the ATO picked up over 180,000 mistakes. And these are people lodging tax returns very quickly. So you'd expect that they're the least complex of tax returns, but they still have uh, quite a significant number of mistakes in them. Uh, and there's a number of reasons why that's happening. So. Through no fault of the taxpayer, they could very quickly get into the scope of the uh, ATO and um, trigger uh, an inquiry into other um, details about their affairs. So, yeah, they are big numbers. Okay, and so the customers, obviously that broader target market of the, the taxpayers themselves and then those trusted advisors that you mentioned, accountants, financial advisors, others who are who are close to the individuals or businesses. Okay, and then from your team, you spoke earlier or referred earlier to a highly motivated team, which I'm sure the audit cover team is. Uh, keeping in mind those customers day in, day out, how does that determine the activities of your team? Uh, so is the question how how do we um, define the activities of different people in the team? Sure. And I'm sure you have a kind of rhythm or flow that you move through week, week on week. Uh, but in terms of, yeah, those core things that you would be doing with customers at the centre of what you do. Yeah, okay. Um, so... We, we take a very customer-centric mindset um, at AutoCover and that, that flows through to all, really all of the divisions in the company. So to give you a view, um, we've got our teams that deal with um, uh, partnerships and customer acquisition as well as customer success and onboarding. Um, we've got operational support roles that make sure that everything's flowing smoothly and that we've got um, uh, a system of process improvement and then we've got product and technology. Um, so what we need to do is really figure out every week what are the most pressing customer challenges that we want to solve and we do that in a, in a few different ways. The first way is using collaboration tools. 
that allow for everyone to have full transparency over what each other is working on and doing. So these are pretty uh, standard and um, ubiquitous in the market now, but the um, tools of, say, um, uh, all of our customer um, uh, management and processes and internal company wiki documents and so on are all uh, managed on Notion boards. Uh, often those are uh, shared team-wide. We use Slack um, just for real-time um, communication uh, and then um, generally we'll have uh, either daily huddles for certain team functions or um, bi-weekly uh, team-wide whips where everyone can just get an update on, on what's going on. Um, in terms of kind of goal management, um, we use the OKR system, um, so objectives and key results. Um, those OKRs are set quarterly, um, and then we, uh, every fortnight, have a, a quick update on how everybody's tracking to those OKRs. Um, so, so that's kind of a bit of a very quick look into like how our tools and processes work to make sure everyone's aware of what's going on and moving in the same direction. In terms of customers, um, we'll deal with um, customers and have uh, all of that transparently viewed on a Notion board in a sort of Kanban style um, so that each person knows what the other's working on and can kind of move things along and allocate them to a new member when their task is complete. Um, we engage really closely, particularly on the product and partnership side with our um, customers being the accountants uh, and ask them usually in interview style format um, what they are enjoying, what they'd like to see, what are some of their challenges, um, and we try to bring them on the journey of how to inform our product roadmap in a really intimate way. Um, we find that these conversations um, are best done in a long-form uh, interview-style format whereby they can really describe um, what they're liking and not rather than simply just, you know, uh, rating something on a survey out of 10. Um, and then we take all of those insights from customers as well as insights from our internal team and we manage them in a um, product backlog uh, and sprint style of, um, of um, managing our roadmap. Great. Okay, that's insightful. Thank you. And I, I really do like that long-form interview with, you know, mainly with the accountants who are, who are directly involved. Uh, hopefully they feel like they're informing your product development. Uh, but it's a great, to your earlier point, it seems uh, more, and I'm sure you gain more insights from that than the short-form surveys. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you, you know, running this podcast, what it's like, just in general human interaction, you really only get those those nuggets of wisdom from a you know, a deeper conversation and follow up questions and and understanding kind of truly what they mean and, and what they're thinking about. Um, people are, are you know, busier than ever 
So to kind of sit them down and utilize that time in an effective and deep way, um, you know, that makes all the difference really. Yeah. 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 I'm a fan of the long form conversations. I think that's great. Now, you mentioned across your different teams, you clearly have those who are focused in the partnership space. Uh, and we all know the importance of developing partnerships uh, in order to develop to, to deliver value to our various customers, etc. So for you and your team, what has partnering looked like so far? And uh, in terms of those partners, you have established relationships with what qualities attracted you to them? Yeah, sure. So um, partnerships is core to our go-to-market strategy. Uh, our accountants are um, our partners whom we um, partner with to deliver tax audit insurance to all of their clients. Um, and, yeah, partnership um, really means a lot to us because we have dedicated uh, so much of our effort to that particular channel. Um, I think what it what it means um, for audit cover is that when an accountant comes on board with us, um, they're aligning with our product and our approach and our value set. So we need to make sure that there is a um, strong cultural alignment with the partners that we work with. Um, we have a process when we're onboarding of assessing uh, the accounting firm. So we'll go through a criteria list to make sure that they are accountants that represent the, the best behaviors that we're looking for from the accounting industry. So we look at their alignment with professional bodies. We look at their um, portfolio makeup uh, and their history with um, the ATO, uh, their lodgement scores, and really try and construct a picture of what type of accounting firm they are. That matters a lot to us because we do want to bring on partners that represent the right behaviours um, and are ultimately doing the right thing, and, and that's aligned with, with our product and, and how we operate in market. Um, from a cultural perspective, uh, a strong uh, value set for our business is around transparency. That's transparency of our product, that it says what it um, does and that that's clear uh, and explained to our customers. Um, transparency of fees, which is extremely important um, in, this, uh, in this environment, post-pain, to be clear on um, what each party's remuneration is and to make sure the customer is clear of that. Um, and, um, yeah, ultimately, a, I think a, a cultural value set around innovation. Typically, our partners are more uh, technologically minded and um, looking at ways to use technology to make their businesses more efficient and make things work better for their customers. Uh, and that's a, a core tenant for us as well. So, so yeah, we, we look for a good fit on all of those things. Wow, and that, that's impressive and insightful there. Just the, you know, that criteria list. Sounds like you are very intentional about who you will partner with 
and and how you can align, which uh, you know that is that's exciting. I was interested to hear you say that uh, if we're thinking of an accountants, that they are technologically minded. Uh, which is encouraging. I, I guess it's not the first thing that comes to my mind when I consider accountants, but uh, I imagine the efficiency gains and things are front in mind for them too. Well, yeah, well, the accounting industry has gone through a technology revolution. Okay. If you think about it, you know, um, from the days when things were done on um, calculators with um, spreadsheets and, you know, a... Um, a wall of paperwork um, to where we sit now, which is well into the age of cloud accounting. So Zero has been around for around 15 years now um, and really has, has transformed the accounting industry significantly. But then you've got amazing players that are uh, innovating in how accountants um, engage with their clients uh, on, at, at a proposal level and um, enable their clients to pay more efficiently and, um, and so on. So, yeah, the accounting industry is uh, very quickly becoming quite technologically savvy. Good to hear and, yeah, good learning for me around uh, perhaps assumptions I've made about the accounting industry. So thank you. Okay, and then uh, with respect to building the audit cover team. So, you know, how have you gone about that? And are there, you know, two top qualities that you look for when considering candidates to join your team? Yeah, so when we hire, we, we spend a lot of time in the hiring process. My last, the last role that we hired for was in engineering. We got over 200 applications. Um, it took us around three months to find the right person. What we typically look for being a startup is somebody that is going to um, be hungry for change. And that often comes in the form of having a growth mindset, um, you know, the willingness to innovate and make things better. Um, and be that catalyst for change. So, you know, we're a small team and we want everybody to be able to contribute to the, the maximum um, and be given all the opportunities to do that, probably more than they would have had in a corporate environment where they're, you know, placed into a, you know, a carefully constructed box um, with clear lines on what they can do. So we, we really look for that growth mindset and that's often uh, an attribute of a person and also an attribute that represents a stage in their career. You know, have they achieved so much that they're quite comfortable to just kind of cruise along and, um, you know, rest on a senior title or are they, you know, um, you know too early in their career that they need to gain those core skills before they can truly feel comfortable innovating or are they that, that sweet spot in the middle where they, you know, they have those skills and now, now it's time for them to actually make a name for themselves and, uh, and prove something to themselves and, and the space that they want to make a mark on. And um, so, so that, that's probably one of the most important ones. And then I'd say that the second one is 
we're solving complex problems and no one can do it on their own. So, and we had a few applicants come in that were very impressive, uh, but they would probably err on the side of like the brilliant jerk. So more of a mercenary than anything um, could make a very big difference just because of their skill and, you know, maybe verging on, you know, genius, but would have just worked terribly with the team mm. and, you know, stepped on toes and made, um, made it really uncomfortable to work because a lot of our tasks are ultimately hyper-collaborative mm. challenges need different functions to work together. So definitely having a a mindset that you are um, ready and willing to work in a team to conquer big things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just going to be up to you kind of working head down, racing, you know, potentially away from what our aligned goals are. Yeah, great. Uh, yes, so that hyper-collaborative environment that you described uh, would probably sum up most of the insurtechs across the con- country, right? Um, yeah, do you think you need a do you need a little sign saying no brilliant jerks? Yeah, yeah, I think um, when you build a culture, the first ten people really matters. The first sort of ten to fifteen people, I think, um, there's nowhere to hide in a startup. And um, I think it's something for founders to always keep front of mind because typically founders with pressures on growth will see a really um, impressive operator and think, wow, that person can do amazing things for our business. Um, But you always need to keep in mind that if that person is going to have a negative externality and negative effect, on the people around them, um, that can really just fester, and 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 the whole culture and team performance will slump. So, yeah, definitely a, a uh, no brilliant uh, jerks. I've heard it explained a different way with a different word, but um, I think that's yeah. a good good policy to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And how large is the team now? So we've got nine people in the company. Uh, of which uh, one is three days a week, one is four days a week, and then everybody else is full-time. Great. And is everyone located in Australia? Yes, everyone. Well, actually, right now we've got one person in New Zealand and one person in Bali, but most of the time everybody's located in Australia, Um, not all located in Sydney. We have one person that's permanently based in Coffs Harbour and then another person who actually works nomadically from their van moving around Australia at all times. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that, that particular <laughs> person who's our head of product has been doing that since uh, before it was in fashion. So wow. before COVID, they were, they were already in their van doing doing that life, yeah. Wow, that sounds um, yeah, interesting. Something something we perhaps should all do at least once in our working careers. 
100%. Yeah, we get to somewhat live vicariously through this individual by them sharing photos of amazing rock climbing destinations that they've, you know, woken up near or waterfalls and different things. But, um, yeah, most most of us are living a more uh, <laughs> a more boring existence. <laughs> well, we can aspire to that. Let's make that a, that a goal. Um, that sounds great. And look, um, a good solid size team. Uh, yeah. And in terms of, I guess, in terms of connection then, if you've got people in various places, um, obviously the technology allows some form of connection, but is there a time when you're actually all together? Definitely. So um, on the technology side, there's a couple of cool tips that um, have worked really well for us. So as I said, we who communicate by and large on Slack um, and then, um, you know, collaborate from a workflow perspective using Notion or um, the developers use various different tools as well. Every Monday we have a, a cultural ritual whereby um, we just do a weekend review. So the channel where everybody posts what they got up to on the weekend um, and that's a really great um, little ritual because what it does is it enables everybody to connect to some degree in the same way as you would when you walk into the office and you see everybody for the first time and you catch up on what they're up to. It also has an efficiency um, gain because it means that you're not explaining to people what you got up to on the weekend in every more meeting that you have um, everybody can just kind of quickly get the download and then and then get on with their day um, and what we do that's on a Monday and then on a Friday uh, near the mid to end of a Friday um, we'll celebrate some wins so everybody basically does a Friday win um, both personally and professionally and they share like what was the win for the week um, uh, and it might be something like, oh, you know, uh, I managed to, um, you know, cook a moussaka, uh, which was a win for me personally and professionally. I'm um, really happy that we shipped that uh, new feature or whatever it may be. So those things are really helpful as well for just getting that sense of finality over what is a really busy week. Um the remote world, if you're doing so much in the week and then everyone's just kind of like disappearing into their weekend, it, you can kind of like blur from one week to the next. So having that is a really nice way of everybody acknowledging kind of just how much was done over those last five days. Um, so those, those two things we, we implement on in a virtual um, way and then from a uh, – in real life perspective, um, we everybody in Sydney gets together once a week um, at a working space who work one day a week together. And then every couple of months, we'll actually get together as a team somewhere uh, for something. So it might be like a strategy workshop where we're all getting together um, to do some work and then catching up for um, lunch or dinner. But we'll try and create some kind of team bonding environment thing every um, every couple of months. Yeah. 
look, those rituals, just even the Monday Friday rituals, sound fantastic. And what a great way to kind of bookend or um, bracket uh, the working week, but allow people to share, yeah, professional and personal stories, right? Uh, yeah, really good. Cool. Uh, all right. And so we mentioned as we chit-chatted a little before we started recording about uh, the podcast that you guys run, which is called Audits Uncovered. And I know that Adi couldn't be here today to to talk about that himself, but keen to hear more about that and the event series that you run. Yeah, sure. Well, Adi uh, Adi Sneer, who's our partnerships director and also my brother, is the mastermind. Um, behind all of our content, um, but I will try and explain on his behalf um, what's being created. So, um, audit covers in the B two B space. So, um, and even further than that, B two B to C. So, we distribute through intermediaries. Um, so, we really need a way to engage with our audience around the content that's relevant to them. Um, because you can't simply in B2B try and sell your product all year round. The nature of B2B is that your customers are not looking for your product most of the, most of the year. Most of the year they have an alternative that they're working with and they're not in that buying mindset, um, you know, all year round. So you need another way to engage with them. And so we use content and we established, uh, from the very early days, a way of doing that by running these um, panel-style webinars and um, and podcast series. So um, we, we've done a bunch of them. Uh, last year, we rolled out um, the State of Tax Audits in Australia, a three-part series, and then that followed with the evolution of Tax Audits in Australia. Um, and we run a monthly um, series called Audits Uncovered, um, where we invite experts and uh, real subject matter experts from different areas, be it regulatory or industry or with a particular technology lens um, or just expert practitioners in the accounting world um, onto our podcast to um, discuss what are the most pressing things going on. So we've been really consistent with that. We do it every month. Um, they're starting to get a, um, a little bit of popularity, which is nice to see. We probably attract around seven to 800 uh, accounting firms um, uh, or accounting practitioners and others, but mainly accounting practitioners um, to these events each month. Great. Um, and uh, yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, uh, and look, what a healthy turnout as well um, to those kind of to those events and series. Uh, so, well done. Uh, I often say when people ask about the InsureTech Oz podcast, uh, you know, we we get a fairly healthy uh, listenership uh, in a very niche um, market. I said, look, we're not going to threaten Joe Rogan at any time soon, uh, but please come along and listen in. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and look, when growing audit cover and growing your team, are you able to tell us about some key lessons that you've learned uh, and perhaps some advice that you've ignored? So uh, lessons learned, well, there's been a lot. As I said, this is uh, 
my first foray into the insurance world. Uh, insurance is, as you know, a highly regulated space. So uh, I think one of the things that we've done really well and will continue to do is make compliance a priority and to try to build it into the company by design and make it not a box-ticking exercise but actually something that's going to make our product better. So, you know, often you'll, you know, need to do certain things from a compliance standpoint um, to satisfy the obligations of your financial services license or um, really just maintain certain um, registers, um, be it around like incidents, breaches, complaints, and so on. So we really try and embed that in our weekly processes and make it something that we're looking for. Um, And we're looking for it for the reason of how we can make our product better and capture those customer insights um, that can inform the improvements in the way we do things. Um, so we're very lucky to have a strong board. It's got loads of experience on that side. Um, we developed an amazing board with um, operators like Simon O'Dell, David Bailey, Claire Wivell Plater um, that, that really support um, a strong governance and also interrogate different customer challenges so that we've got a, a rounded perspective on how to resolve them. Um, and uh, advice ignored. I mean, so probably I'll, I'll actually share just a small piece of advice that was absolutely taken. When, when, when we um, have new people come in, often they'll have um, catch-ups with everybody else in the team and some of our board members. Um, one of our board members, Claire, um, gives a really simple but great piece of advice um, to new starters who may not have experienced this in other companies. Um, what we really encourage is for new starters when they join us to um, you know, learn and be a sponge for the ways that we do things but not feel restricted in terms of how they can uh, speak up if they think that there's a better way to do something. Um, being a young company, we don't have better down legacy and we certainly don't have politics and hierarchy to prevent those types of things. So that piece of advice is simply just, if you see something and you think that it can be done a different way, um, just do what you think is right. Um, don't keep quiet about it because you're new or you don't know how it's done. Do what you think is right, and if you don't know, ask. That's um, something that we do continually remind people because you don't know what culture they came from uh, or whether that was fully adopted as an ethos in different companies. So, um, yeah, we, we, we push pretty hard on that one. Uh, and great to hear you mentioned having a strong board and we haven't really touched on you know the broader advisors that you lean on either personally or as a team but what a difference that can make and great to hear that Simon O'Dell a former CEO of InsureTech Australia is part of that group and and obviously he's a solid player with many years experience in, in the industry. 
Okay, and then when you look at audit cover, having you, know, you shared earlier about your previous experience in digital marketing and advertising, and you've made this leap into this this new industry, uh, is audit cover where you imagined it might be? Yeah, um, so uh, yes and no. Uh, we've got a lot to do um, as a company. So, you know, often your expectations will uh, precede your um, actual results. Um, so, you know, we're really looking to make a, a significant impact on the industry. Uh, and that involves innovating from both a insurance product and underwriting and pricing perspective, um, but also around distribution and delivery and so on. Um, so, so to that effect, um, you know, we, we have big goals um, and, you know, we're looking at how they can be realized faster and faster. Um, but, you know, ultimately, um, in startup land, you're always trying to pursue something that's possibly just out of reach. Um, that's how you, you maximize your team and resources and, uh, and, um, and challenge yourself. Um, but on the other side, um, you know, largely we've, uh, we've exceeded some of our expectations. I think we've been, uh, you know, we've, we've probably underestimated how much demand there is in market um, for a product like this. I think that we potentially underestimated um, the amount of compliance activity that the ATO would be commencing um, post-COVID. As we know, they took a big break from pursuing um, small businesses uh, over the pandemic. Uh, for obvious reasons, um, but at the same time, increased spending astronomically under the Morrison government. So there's a fair bit of ground for the ATO to cover in terms of collecting debt um, that uh, does expose businesses. And I think businesses are quite aware of that now, um, and certainly accountants are too. So. So yeah, those those are the things that have probably exceeded our expectations. Just how much demand there is in market um, for our product and for this um, way of um, digital distribution um, that we're that we're focused on. Um, yeah, I've probably been um, over exceeded um, my expectations in terms of the quality of the team. We did spend a long time hiring for every role. Um, but you know, we really have an amazing founding team now, um, that's, um, establishing the business for growth. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, every, every week there's a, a new challenge. So, you know, I'm sure, uh, my perspective on what, uh, what's going, um, as planned or not changes, um, on the daily. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and look, great to hear that there has been, if there was an area to underestimate and maybe demand is yep. is a nice problem to have uh, for you and, and the team. Yeah, excellent. And look, lastly, uh, and look, this, this has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed this. Uh, during the evolution of audit cover, what have you been most grateful for? Well, from 
from a personal level, uh, startups are really hard and they put a lot of pressure on um, founders in particular. So I, from a personal level, I'm, I'm probably m- most grateful to my wife, Laura, um, for being willing to undergo this crazy journey again um, after after 10 years of my last one. Um, so, yeah, that definitely stands out. Uh, we've got an 18-month-old um, boy as well, Bodhi. So, um, yeah, it's always a busy household and she's a business owner herself. So that's a big um, call out. I'm, you know, really grateful to, to my wife who's always there and, um, you know, willing to lend advice probably, you know, more than I should lean on her for, but but she's an amazing support. Uh, I'm, I'm really grateful to uh, – I love starting businesses and it is absolutely my passion, you know, so you know, I wouldn't be able to sit on my hands for very long if I wasn't um, running companies and also dealing with businesses uh, in Australia. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, to be able to develop and build a team and to have such um, uh, such supportive investors on board um, is, a, is a big win for any founder. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things to, to be grateful for. And, um, yeah, to reemphasize the point, um, startup journeys are always rocky and challenging and you're constantly second-guessing uh, yourself and just, diving into the um into the unknown so yeah it is it is important to kind of refresh yourself on what are those things you're grateful for um so i try to do that as much as i can to stay sane (laughs) excellent and thank you thank you for being so open and willing to share with us all and I would be very keen to have another conversation, say, in 12 months' time and to see uh, where Audit Cover is at and, and the various challenges that you and the team have overcome. Uh, but thanks again for your time. It's been really wonderful. Thanks, Vanessa. It was a great conversation. Appreciate it. From all the team at InsureTech Australia, thank you for joining our conversation today. We have yet another interesting guest sharing with us next month. Catch you then.